Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Morris, and this episode is brought to you by wickedcowmarketing.com.au. Here at Wicked Cow, we provide lead generation services focusing on search engines. So we help you get more leads for your small business using search engine optimization and search engine marketing. In this episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking with James Martin from Insider Foundry about lead generation. Before we jump into that interview, I just wanted to officially welcome you to the first episode of the Lead Generation Podcast. Uh, This is our very first episode here and we hope you enjoy it. To get all the show notes, so that's links, that's a transcription of the episode, um, and to give your feedback and suggestions for future episodes, you can head to our website at lgpodcast.com. That's LG, standing for Lead Generation, podcast.com. Now, let's go to the interview. Welcome back to the Lead Generation Podcast. My name is Nick Morris, and today I'm here with James Martin from Insider Foundry. Uh, this is our first episode, so thanks, James, for joining me uh, no today. And we're going to be talking about uh, how to generate leads in this episode. So this is a podcast all about lead generation and about sort of turning those leads into sales. We're going to be talking with uh, James again in a few episodes' time, more about the sales side of things, but today it's lead generation. So perhaps before we get started with the questions, James, you can just sort of introduce yourself and your business and what, what uh, you have to do with sales in general. Yeah, sure. So... Um, uh, I run a company called Insider Foundry, which makes uh, products for the international student market here in Australia and those overseas that are thinking about coming to Australia as well. So one of our major products is the International Student Guides, um, and, uh, and we started this business about six, seven years ago, uh, giving away a free annual guidebook to international students to help them better assimilate and integrate into Australian cities. Um, it's a com- it's completely funded through print advertising. So my role has been to sort of grow that pie of, of print advertising, sponsorships, uh, major commercial relationships, and, and those sorts of elements. So um, yeah, I'm the managing director, but also the the main sort of salesperson. And uh, yeah, it's going Great. well. Yeah, uh, well, you've certainly pretty well known here in Adelaide in the, in the entrepreneurial circle. So congratulations on your success so, so far with that. Let's perhaps get started pretty basically and, and say what define what is a lead when we're talking about lead generation. Yeah, sure. How would you define a lead? How would I define it? And it's an interesting question because there's a lot of different um, – sometimes people refer to leads as someone they have no idea about. And so I, I refer to a lead as someone who, who has a pretty good chance of converting. Um, and, uh, and, and, yeah, then I basically try and accumulate them in one spot – and, uh, and try and go for them. So, um, and I think that's where a lot of people fail is they don't identify what leads, what, the, what, what are the right leads for, the, for their business. And that's one of the reasons they, <laughs> they fall down. Okay, so with a, a lead, I mean, a lot of people might say it's just, just basically having someone's contact details, but mm-hmm. you go a bit further than that and say that they need to be sort of qualified in some way. Is that what you would say? Uh, yeah, it's, um, that's right. Yeah, I, I would say that it's not. It's not necessarily. I mean, it's easy to, to go on Odesk and get you know one thousand email addresses of, of everybody. And, you know, a lot of people do that, and then they wonder why they didn't convert. Well, it's because the leads were not good to begin with, and they probably shouldn't have tried to 
convert those leads at all. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely put a lot of emphasis in, in talking to the right people from day one. Cool, cool. Well, let's move along. Um, if, if we're talking about a business that's sort of just getting started mm-hmm. and they're, you know, got to the point where they want to generate some leads, what are some things they should already have in place? Sure. So, um, I would first of all say goals, like a really clear idea of what income they're looking to get or what, uh, what number of, well, they, they just need to have some, some metrics and, and often the easiest one is, is how much do you want to earn each month or how much do you want to earn by the end of this year? Um, that having that in place is really good because then you can start breaking it into monthly goals of 12 and, and, um, and then down into weekly goals. And so your and then daily goals and, and, um, and it just brings, it sort of just creates um, a lot more sort of calmness in your business, knowing that instead of thinking about it, going, oh, man, I need to raise a million dollars by December. You think, no, well, it's only $3,000 a day or something like that or whatever it is. But, um, you know, I can, I can do that. And then you can start breaking it down. So having goals is, is a very, very important thing. Uh, secondly is, is, um, is having a very good idea about who the ideal customer is because as I said before a lot of businesses sell to the wrong people and um, I look at it there's like there's about four different buying groups there's those that are have no chance of of buying and never be interested those that are sort of apathetic about the whole thing and you know those and then there's those that are interested in buying but they're not ready to buy they're just interested and then those that are interested and they're ready to buy so the key is to work out and really understand your sort of customer avatar to you just when you when you have this lead list in front of you it's just those ones in that top group that you're going for so you can eliminate you know, 80% of the bad leads and just focus on the 20% that are good um, yeah and it, it's certainly been a successful strategy for me for sure yeah. cool um, so going on with like sort of this idea of like a new business, mm. uh, getting to the, to the stage of generate leads. Mm-hmm. Say we have a business with quite a low budget, um, and you know, fairly new on the market. Uh, they have these things in place that you've mm-hmm. just mentioned, uh, but how would they? How would you suggest they might get started with trying mm-hmm. to find some lead sources and actually start getting those leads up there? Uh, well, from my experience, I decided to, and it was a successful strategy. Was um, really just fish where the fish are. You know, go and look for these leads where your customers are looking for leads or where you know they're likely going to be hanging out. Try and identify some touch points uh, where where your customers are looking for similar services, uh, similar websites, similar locations. For example, for me, um, I was targeting international student, uh, the in, international student market and our guidebooks were looking for, um, well, I was looking for advertisers to reach the international student market. So I decided to go to all of the O weeks, which is the orientation weeks at all of the universities. I went to all of the different hostels, hotels, um, cheap student accommodation places. I looked online, who was advertising online. And I wrote about, I had about 150 businesses that, that had a pretty good chance of reaching the international student market. And then I worked backwards from there. And then I went, okay, well, maybe this you know expensive hotel um, or this expensive sort of tour operator that does sort of exclusive wine tours, they're probably not going to be interested in the international student market. Um, but, you know, this this student accommodation place, that one would be... And I just... I looked around... Um, sorry, I should have said that before, but I was... I, I found... 
pub, uh, different publications inside those places and different people inside those places and just saw who was who was advertising publications in competitors' publications, who was who was on campus during O-Weeks and, you know, if, if a big phone company or a big bank was there, I'd write down their details and try and work out who the right person is to speak to. And, and it takes a lot of hard work, and especially in the early days because it's just you. Um, but certainly that was that's how we got started. So, yeah, fish where the fish are, that's what I say. <laughs> cool, cool. And it's, so it sounds like um, at this stage you're, you're mostly collecting leads and then mm. you're later going to go and sell. So when you say go to O-Week and go to these different businesses yeah. and things, at this stage you're only just doing research or you're Correct, actually yeah. trying to approach them? No, no, not at all. Experience. No, um, and, and often that's a big mistake of businesses as well is they assume that the first person they meet in the business is the decision maker and they end up pitching to someone who wasn't meant to be pitched to at all. Um, so really it's about identifying the decision maker um so at that stage at the early stage it's really important to just go out to market do your research find the companies that are interested in advertising or being a part of it um if it's people you know think about the kind of customer that would be interested in your your business really dig it down don't just say you know women age 30 to 30 to 40 you know what kind of tastes and preferences do they have? Like what other things are they looking for that you could tap into? What partnerships could you have here and there? Really dig down. Um, and it will save you a lot of time later if you do it now. Great, great. Um, so w- when you're going out and doing this, uh, this research, looking for the people, fishing where the fish are, as mm-hmm. you say, um, do you have at this point or should you have sort of what your selling method is going to be in mind or is this something you sort of work out once you already have leads? I mean, if it's very early business, um, at this stage, it's just literally getting the data, getting the, get, getting your lead list. Um, what you don't want to do is is find a lead, pitch to the lead and then do it again. Like you, don't want to, you, want to, you want to batch your tasks together and it's important in the, in the lead generation to sort of spend time just doing lead generation so you can start noticing patterns as well. Like, oh, it's really interesting. That, 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 that bunch of people are not interested in this part of my product and these people are. And, and then you get time to, to – you've got your lead list and you can use that experience of collecting those leads to sort of refine your own offering a little bit. And then when you finally do go, uh, go to market, you've got a better refined product or service and you've got and – and then you can start culling that lead list right down um, and you, so you can just match it up a lot better. And uh, yeah, it's a much better experience for everyone. Yeah. So, and and when you're talking about um, uh, what what how the the leads you're collecting are sort of going to fit with your product mm-hmm. at this stage, it's mostly just your perception of what that might be, rather mm-hmm. than actual market data. So mm-hmm. this you have to guess have to do a bit of guessing and yeah, really make sure you've described that customer well, um, and then see. From the best, from your best guess, I guess whether they will actually like the product. It's not um, you're not really getting real data at this point. Mm. So, which I guess you would get that later when you get start doing your selling and seeing if they actually are a good fit. Yeah, that's right. And 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 you'll do that. That's when it gets um, that's when it gets interesting. That stage. I remember I called up a um, a surf brand. My assumption was that they were interested in 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 advertising for the to the international student market and. Um, you know, they uh, saw international students were always wearing these surf clothes and everything. I was like, oh, it's an obvious fit. And then I talked to the marketing manager and he's just like, no, definitely not. Like, of course not. We'll stick to the surf magazines, the surf publications. We stick to these, our own marketing. International students are a tiny segment. You know, we're not interested. And 
I was just really interested in that response. I was like, man, that's, I mean, yeah, there might be brands and, com- and customers that would see value in your publication or your, or your business or something, but, but they're on the peripheral. Like they're, they're not the ones you should be spending the most time trying to bring in. Um, you know, if you've got a funnel, uh, you really want that funnel directed in the right direction. So there's, there's, there's a great chance of businesses that are really going to need but need your service, need your product, um, and they've, they've got a really good chance of actually buying it in the end, at the end of the day as well. So, Cool. Let's change direction a little bit. Um, so I guess, I'm guessing your experience is mostly with sort of B2B stuff. Yeah. Do you think these sorts of ideas can be applied to B2C companies as well? Or are they going to be a little bit different? Or what are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean, certainly uh, you, in any business you start, you need to really truly understand who your customer is. And um, I think that's where a lot of businesses, they, they, just, they just are not spending enough time, especially as they start up businesses, they don't spend enough time working out who exactly is going to be buying their, their business, uh, buying their product or service and then really honing in on that. Um, they tend to go sort of, well, I can reach all these people. I can go for really big, so they spread their resources really thinly, go for a lot of people, and then they just don't convert that many and then they sort of end up exhausted and, <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, they stretch their resources to, to two things. So certainly in both B2B and B2C, um, it's very, very it's very, very important to, to really understand. First of all, you have to have goals, and then secondly, truly understand who exactly going to... It's, it's really going to be likely to end up converting, um, or else you'll end up, yeah, spreading way too thin. So. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I mean, it's interesting going back to what you were saying before about um, really focusing on that that first group who are both, uh, you know, relevant and interested in your product and they're sort of ready to buy now. So with the other three, or I mean, the ones that aren't interested obviously aren't relevant, perhaps that, but that second group, which are interested but not ready to buy, are they ones that you sort of, do you push them to one side or do you put them in the bin or? No, it's a good question and I certainly don't, I don't throw them away. Um, I guess what, for example, in my experience, uh, there are businesses in Australian cities that would like to reach international students but don't really want to market to them heavily. That's an example of that group because my publication specifically targets international students in each city. So um, I'll f- my effort and my sales people, like, I instruct them to focus on the businesses that will have a really good chance of converting. So universities, colleges, banks, insurance, education, uh, and, and things like that that's they really do need international students because they've got a very good lifetime customer value, um, big return on investment if they manage to convert one. Whereas um, a pub or a club in a city, you know, a cafe near a university, yes, you know, and in- international students are a part of their market, but so are all students. And so it's just it's it's um, it's not as important for for them to reach international students, and therefore it's not as important for me to try and convince them to advertise in my publication because it's, it's, it's just easier for me to not bother and focus on those that were really keen to begin with and really make those presentations better. Um, saying that, uh, if I've got spare, spare capacity and, uh, and, and we've got a bit of, a bit of time, I'll, I'll dig into those ones and really work out uh, how to uh, which which businesses on those on that periphery would have a good chance? And look, our book is is full of those ones on the on the periphery in certain cities. For example, doctors' surgeries and um, and and textbook sellers and things like that. 
they're not necessarily targeting international students, but target, they're targeting all students. Um, but they did see value enough value in us in our in our business to decide to to be involved. So um, yeah, it, it can happen. I would just I would just really sort of encourage new business owners to not worry too much about stretching too thin. Cool. Yeah, that's a really good answer. Actually, um, I was just sort of thinking as you started that answer that um, some people might find themselves in a position where there's no they can't. Well, they, maybe they can't or they don't think they can generate enough of the people in that first category mm. and then they, they feel like they have unused capacity or whatever. Mm. Um, I guess maybe that goes back to, you know, before General Analytics, when you're first starting your business, making sure that you're in a market that's big enough. Um, yeah. uh, would you say that sort of comes into it? Well, I guess, yeah. I mean, I would rather... You can either be a big fish in a small pond or a small fish in a big pond. I think there's a real risk with the mentality of being a big fish in a small pond because, you know, it just, it just comes to the point where you just can't do it anymore. Like, you're, you know, you, you've saturated your market to the point where it's just, you know, and then you don't, know, you don't have anywhere to go. So um, when you're first starting a business, it's really important to sort of stack the odds in your favour and really go for a big, massive market and really understand that going in that, that it's going to take a lot of work to get there. But I've got a lot of... I got a lot of a runway here and um, a good chance of success so um, yeah I'd certainly encourage businesses to sort of go into the big the big lake and <laughs> rather than the small pond and and, uh, and work backwards from there yeah that's a really good point we won't spend too much more time on that point but I think it's really important to make because a lot of times we hear advice about um, picking a niche a really specific niche in a good way particularly in things like content marketing and stuff like that where there's just so much content out there I often see advice about sort of picking a very specific niche, um, which I think is good advice in, in, in some aspects, but you're always going to be wary of this, this point that you're making that you don't want to get to the point where you sort of just run out of market and, and you don't yeah. have as many of these really strong leads and you really have to sort of reach, I guess, into people that aren't as relevant. So that's probably something to think about, mm. you know, before this lead generation spot when you're really first selling your business and picking your market. Um, if, if people are doing their lead generation, sort of they've, they've been doing it for a little while and maybe they've been to the sales process as well and they're finding that they're not, the lead generation process isn't really working or the sales process isn't really, really working, have you got some ideas about where they might try and go back and, and, and sort of analyse and try and find out where the problem is? Like what, what kind yeah. of process could they go through to try and help? Um, well, yeah, I mean, in any business, um, you really want to focus on what works, and that's not always easy. So you have to work out how to identify what's working and what's not working. So that's where uh, the introduction of a, of a CRM, a customer relationship management tool, is quite helpful when you are running, when you're collecting leads and you're processing them. Um, it's very important to, to measure every step of the, of the lead generation and sales process. Um, and, uh, and and knowing what isn't what is working, what isn't working, and for example, in a CRM, you've got when you've got your pipeline. You know, if you're not if you're not if you're not converting people from from initial phone call to you know appointment or appointment to you know con- consultation or something like that, then and, and then and then eventually price negotiation. You, you can look at those different stages and well. But you, the, the, the key point is you will never know that unless you actually start measuring it. And, um, and a lot of businesses don't. They keep all the information. A lot of small businesses don't do this very well. They, they keep all the information in their head. Um, they talk to the team and they convince themselves they don't really need to write anything down. 
um, and they'll just you know they'll just manage it and they'll they'll hustle. There's nothing more annoying than that word in my mind. The word hustle. I hear it everywhere around the startup community, and it really grinds my gears, as if um as if that's the key to success. I mean, yeah, it's, it's it is a little bit, but it's it's much more about being very very smart and selective, um, taking a very concise approach to your to your to your lead generation, your sales, and knowing what's working, knowing what isn't working. Break your process down. Understand your market. Understand your sales process, and then amplify and double down on what's working. So that's key. Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting point. Yeah, um, I guess it's perhaps the difference between like being efficient and being effective, mm. making sure you're doing the right things, not rather than just sort of pushing mm. and hustling, if you like, uh, away at things that may not be as effective. Um, what you said there about introducing a CRM. Um, that sort of segues next into my in, into my next question about um, you know what are some things you can look at when you have a bit more money in the bank. Mm. Um, your business is sort of moving along nicely now. Uh, CRM, can you perhaps just explain what that is a little bit for, for sure. a listener that might not know? Yeah, so um, a CRM is yeah, so a customer relationship management tool. It, it's essentially a way of managing your leads, your accounts, your opportunities, your contacts. Basically, all the information you need to turn a lead into a sale, um, you'll have it all organised. And it's fantastic, actually. Um, if in, in, my, in my experience, you know, you put the company's name, you put their phone numbers, key, key contact information, um, emails, everything like that. But then you also put opportunities in there, which are um, you know, opportunities associated with that company or that person or whatever. Um, and you can have multiple opportunities for each one. And then you can actually measure how far down the pipeline this opportunity is going. So you can measure from... Um, and it's up to you to customise that pipeline. So the pipeline meaning the stages that are required for you to turn that lead into a sale. Um, and and for my, in my case, it's, it's, it's um, introduction phone call is stage one. Then it's um, stage two is send the media kit. Stage three is is a face-to-face conversation or phone conversation, um, and then stage four is uh, is price negotiation. And I have like a probability of a sale associated with each of those stages. So if I'm price negotiating, there's a ninety percent chance I'm going to close this deal. But if I'm if I've if I've just sent the media kit and I've had a chat to them, I'm probably more at like sixty percent. So it's very key that you in your when you do implement a CRM. Don't just take it off the shelf and just think that's got that that's what's going to work. It's actually customizing it to actually make it work for your business, and that takes a little bit of teething problems. You know that that takes a little bit of um, time and effort and a bit of online YouTube tutorials and things like that. But uh, I can promise you, if you get it right, it will save you thousands of hours. <laughs> right, and I often get um I see things like sort of email marketing programs described as CRM systems. Is this the sort of thing you're talking about? Or are you talking about more of a more sophisticated like Salesforce like system? Yeah, because I think I mean I use we use Aweber for us uh, email marketing, for instance. But I don't, at least from from my knowledge, I don't think they have like so much in the lead scoring and yeah and the stage the stuff that you're talking about. So yeah, I mean I I. I exist primarily in the offline world so um, I, I use the industry standard which is salesforce.com um, and there's other ones there's Infusionsoft, there's ActiveCampaign, there's a whole lot of, of different ones. Um, I think the one you're talking about is a uh, Aweber um, certainly that's more email 
oriented and it's very sort of um, a lot of email uh, email automation and, and conversion and things like that. Mine is more about um, yeah, okay. So you've got this you've got this person's details and now you can really measure uh, and and you can actually add in all these different um, different programs and 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 software attached to it and so you can do quoting and things like that attached to it um yeah mine's all about uh, being able to measure how and score the leads and the, and the opportunities and then and then actually reporting on that and that's something that salesforce is pretty good at is is the reporting uh, so you can really get a good understanding of, of oh well over the past month i've made this amount of sales and i've progressed this amount of people from this stage to this stage but i'm really lagging in this stage and i really should focus my energy in there um and uh, and yeah, it helps a lot. It helps a lot. Do you think businesses should um, get started with a CRM as soon as possible? Or is this something they can do perhaps with a spreadsheet to begin with, or is it really helpful to have like a system in place, like a system that they can use? Yeah, I mean, I, I started with Google Docs, and um, yeah, it's fine for a while. But as soon as you start noticing the squeeze, and you know, you have to, the problem with the spreadsheet and things like that is as soon as you have an interaction with a customer then they, they, you want to be able to record where they're at in their thinking. So you can use that to your advantage later. Um, but that's really hard in a, in a document. Um, and not only that, uh, when you need to bring it up, you've got you to open up this whole new document and scan through all of your other leads to get to this one document. And um, sometimes you've got like 150, 200 leads and you've got this different color coding on, you know, this person's a hot lead, he's red, and this person's green. And you have to go through all of them to get to this one and it just um it's quite a lot of anxiety you sort of notice it's it's not controlled it's hard to manage and so it can soon become a really difficult process trying to manage all your leads in google docs and those sorts of things excel um and it's it's not easy to know to set yourself reminders on when to follow up and that's what a crm is good at so you can in the same account you can say right thanks for the phone call mary um i'll touch base with you next tuesday hang up the phone input into your task call Mary next Tuesday and then next Tuesday comes up saying Mary needs to be called now call Mary Google Spreadsheets doesn't do that Um, it's really hard to do that and I found that hard so um, yeah that's one of the benefits of a CRM as well cool cool so I guess um, uh, we'll probably cover in a later episode about the different CRM systems that are out there different price points and stuff like that do you have uh, any sort of suggestions about ones people might be able to get started with um, I mean, I use Salesforce, and I have, and and I can, I, I like it. I really like it. Um, it's expensive. All CRMs are pretty expensive, um, but they, they, it's expensive because it's very effective, and and I don't think you really know how effective it can be until you start noticing how your mood changes when you're doing your sales, and you know, after your thirtieth phone call, everything's organised, and all the all the interactions are recorded, all the calls are logged all your emails are logged and everything's done, um, do you start noticing how amazing it really is? Um, at the start, you'd be like, I don't really need this. You know, I've got a spreadsheet. I don't need this. No, I don't really need it. But it, it is very good. And our, and our, our business uh, went from uh, – our, our business grew by over 200% in one year through the use of a CRM because I just knew every day what I had to do. Um, yeah, it was excellent. Great, great. That's um, it's good. Good to hear that. That's quite such an important step, which I wasn't necessarily aware of. Just bringing us, I guess, towards the end of the episode now. So, what what do you think about some of these services where you can outsource your lead generation? 
Uh, in particular, I've got, had emails from uh, sort of appointment setting services where they'll actually go, I think, and call a bunch of people and, and try and set up appointments for you. And there's also some sites where you, um, you they'll actually, it's an online site where you can, as a business, you can sign up with them yeah. and then they'll sort of collect leads from, from customers that are looking for your service and, yeah. and give you an opportunity to... to well, I guess the end story is, is what works. Just stick with what works. And, um, and if, if there's... Uh, quote compare sites are delivering you leads and you're actually getting return on that and again you should be measuring as a lead comes in how it's transferring through your pipeline and if it's actually converting then then you should know if that's working or not and if it is double down you know do whatever it takes to get more from that one area and get rid of everything that doesn't work um, the appointment setting services um, I haven't used them I don't know um, but I I have looked I mean, I, I wouldn't like to do that because it's my. I've quite a niche market, and I think in a niche market, if you outsource the sales too much, you become very um, well. Your reputation takes a hit because you know all of a sudden you got thousands of people calling that don't really understand your product, and the people on the other end they want to know. They don't. They don't just want to make an appointment. They want to know why. They want to know. Want to know about your product, and it's quite hard to to give a lot of information to those appointment setting services, um, and sorry, and those external sales services. I've certainly been um, approached by call centres wanting to sell advertising over the phone on our behalf, and I've rejected it. I've gone the method of hiring salespeople instead, so I can work with them, train them. And I think that's sort of stacking the odds in my favour a bit as well. So, um, Great, yeah, that's, that's a good, really good answer there. Well, I think that sort of brings us to the end of the, the lead generation episode. Uh, thanks very much for joining us, James. It's no been worries. fantastic having your insights on this. Um, I knew you would be a good person to be on <laughs> for our first episode here. So we're going to bring uh, James back on again in a few episodes' time to talk about sales. But uh, for now, we'll, we'll say goodbye. Cheers.